Hey, good morning, and uh, good to worship together. Thanks, guys, for uh, Francis and Daniel for sharing. Um, and uh, I had a chance to visit our Mississippi team and hear from our Japan team a little bit, and uh, we're just grateful um, for, you know, the, there's a lot of irony that only God could do this work, right? One is um, we went to one of the cleanest uh, places on the earth in Japan, and then we went to probably one of the, uh, you know, one of the dirtiest, uh, poorest places in Canton, parts of Canton, Mississippi, um, you know, and uh, it just, you know, and then at the basketball camp too, you know, during warm-ups, we're teaching the 13-year-olds how to play basketball, and during warm-ups, these, some of the kids are dunking, you know, and we're, <laughs> we're below the net, you know, and, uh, but we, we were like, uh, I don't know how much they respected our basketball skills, but when math camp came around, boy, there was a lot of respect. Um, <laughs> but it was all just uh, a part of, um, uh, you know, and so I, I get to see all of that. I, I took a tour with uh, Pastor Jasper Bacon. Um, he took me out one-on-one into some of the neighborhoods. And he was int- telling me about a story of a young, young man, and I think his name was Darius, um, and that he would come in and mow the lawn on their uh, premise to make a little extra money. And he said, yeah, he's in a lot of trouble. I've been reaching out. And he says he lives in this project that's really bad. And these are the parts of the neighborhoods that were, um, you know, you don't want to be, especially when the sun goes down. It was just a bad part of town. And there were teenagers, um, you know, you know, they were probably selling drugs and just hanging out. And as he's telling me about this young man, Darius, as we're pulling up, we see him walking down the middle of the street. And so we stopped the car, and then he calls him out. And he's 20 years old, about 6'2", and uh, he calls him over, introduces me to him, and so we pull over, we start talking. And I could tell, as I'm talking to him, he is high on something already, right? And he's just not, his eyes are just not being able to focus, and he's walking down the middle of the street, and so he calls him over, what's going on? And he says, he says, my mom kicked me out of the house um, yesterday. And uh, so he hears him out, and he gives him a little pep talk about, you need to respect your mother, you know, and be there, and, you know, you're old enough, you're 20 years old, you know, you got to go get a job and figure things out. And he gave him, like, five bucks to go get a sandwich, take care of yourself, and you keep in touch. Um, And he says, thank you, thank you, Reverend Bacon, and thank you, and he thanked me, and then he uh, went off. Um, So I had my initial judgment. I saw him, and I thought, oh, gosh, you know, the kid... It's probably out there, what's he going to do with the five bucks? You know, he was already doing something bad, and um, he was already high. And, uh, and then um, Pastor Bacon said, yeah, you know, his mom is a drug addict. So whenever he mows the lawn and makes a little money, she demands all the money from him. And when he doesn't give it to her, um, she kicks him out of the house. And I thought, you know, what kind of world is that for a 20-year-old kid, really, can you imagine a life like that? And um, the work that he's doing one-on-one to go and save and help this guy, right? To save this guy. Pastor Sam this morning was telling me about his Japan trip and how there was one particular person that he had met last year and um, a family and that barely just come to the uh, English camp. And during this year, they had now started coming to the Bible study and they're regular at church getting ready to be baptized. It took a year and something for them to come to faith. And so uh, this idea of the work that's happening, sometimes we have a romanticized vision of missions and this and that, that it's I go out and I save the world and I come back and it's this. 
It's slow and it's messy and it's one-on-one. It takes years and years, um, but it's the work of God. And so I am so proud of our church for doing this. I'm so proud of those who went on these trips. You know, it's not like we have a bunch of college students that have a free summer to go. These are, you know, moms and dads and, you know, working people that are taking time off to go on these trips and to experience this. And today I want to share with you from Psalm 67 that the goal of our joy, the source of our ultimate joy, is to share the gospel to the nations. Um, That is the ultimate source of joy that we can get. And uh, this is a wonderful psalm, Psalm uh, Psalm 69, 1 through 7. And it tells us that we as Christians ought to all be engaged in worldwide missions. And now, when you hear that, you might think, gosh, that is so big, you know? That is so out there. That's so impractical. What, how am I, me, you know, I'm raising a kid. I'm going to school. How am I going to do this? But hey, we may think this way, but at the same time, we are all called to this for the rest of our lives. And it may look a little different at different life stages, at different times. But there are ways for all of us to keep this, not at the back of our minds, but at the front of our minds. That this is the goal of the Christian. This is what Psalm 67 tells us here. A little background here. Um, Psalm 67 is written in what the scholars will call in a literary form, a chiastic form. Verse one and verse seven are are similar, so it's kind of like a boomerang, if we could say. One and seven have the same theme, so it's talking about God's blessing to us, and then you have verse two and six, it mentions the earth and what is happening in the earth. Um, And then verse three and five talk about the peoples. And then verse four is the nations would be glad. And that's kind of the the pinnacle or the highlight of this psalm. So it's like a boomerang effect of let's go. um, God blesses us. It's the earth is blessed. The people are are blessed. Ultimately, to see the nations be glad and sing for joy. And then it goes back in the same manner, right? In the same themes that we see here. So the main idea here is that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. Um, we see this here. You know, this psalm uh, in, for the Church of England, when they would have, uh, it was part of their liturgy. And so one of the things that they did every s- Sunday when they worshiped in the Church of England back in the day is they would read the psalm to remind themselves that God would bless us so that we would be a blessing to the nations. And it was a constant reminder because you know what happens is we get comfortable. And we see it in our culture today in, in Western uh, Christianity today, it just becomes about me, you know? Uh, what, what programs do you have for my family? What do you have that's good for this? And do you have a lot of singles there that I could meet? Or do you have a lot of good things that's happening that's nice and fun? And it is very tempting as a church to say, yeah, let's provide and let's go and let's do this so people would like us. But the main goal of it is, it's not for me to find joy and happiness in God for my abundance, but it's to find the joy and happiness in God as we bring worship to him in the nations. And so we are committed to somehow getting the gospel out there. And if you are a practical person as I am, and you start counting the figures and numbers and does this work, and you, you say, you know, what can we do in a week and a half? Uh, what are we going to do here? You know, isn't that impractical? I mean, what can I really do? And what happens is we get so practical that we lose our perspective of faith in God, and we say, oh, well, you know, I just give up on that. But yet, we're called to bring what little we have, and we see stories of this over and over in the Bible, what little we can bring and let God multiply these things and how big that is. So, he calls for God to bless us here. And we love this prayer, that God would bless us. 
In verse one, we see this uh, prayer of blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Selah was a musical break. It was a song that they would sing. May God be gracious to us, bless us, make his face shine upon us. This is what we see in the Aaronic uh, benediction or the blessing that the priests would give the benediction in number six, right? Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. And you know, at the end of our services, the pastor, me or Pastor John, would give a benediction, right? It's uh, giving God's blessing to the people of God. And you know, uh, you'll see uh, the raising of hands when we do this. And why do we raise our hands when we do this? Well, uh, back in the day in the church history, the pastor would touch every person on their way out. And uh, it kind of became impractical through the years as, as it was too many people that people would miss. And so it was a symbol of the touch, the blessing of God going out. And that's why we do it in the way that we do this. But it, it's this idea of God bless me. Don't we love this? Um, don't we love hearing about this? Aren't the most popular preachers in the country today talking about this? Yeah, but what they forget is the purpose of all this. Now, the blessing we get is kind of threefold, right? One is God's grace towards us. May he be gracious towards us. The grace of God that he gives me what I don't deserve, right? He gives me what I haven't earned. He gives me more than I deserve. That's the grace of God. The second thing is his presence, right? It says here in that verse that the uh, Lord make his face shine upon us, that he is with us. His presence is with us. And then later in verse 6, it talks about the earth has yielded its increase, its material blessings, so that God has now given us his grace, he's given us his presence, and then he also gives us our material blessings, all the money that we have, all the things that we own. Right? All the income that we make, all of that comes from God. And we say, well, that's nice. But this is where we could make a tragic mistake in thinking, that's all I need and that's the source of my joy. If God could give me a raise, if God could give me more, if I could have more and hoard more for me and my little family, boy, life is so good. But the psalmist here tells us that we are blessed so we can be a blessing ultimately to the nations. Verse two, right? So may we get this blessing from God. May his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The purpose of my material blessings, the purpose of God's grace in my life is so that the way of God may be known, the saving power among all nations. The purpose of God's blessing in my life is for us to use it to now bless and use it for the work of the gospel in the kingdoms. What a big thought this is. And we often get stuck in verse one and we forget verse two. And we often pray for things of my comfort, my needs, um, my security, you know, my popularity, my fame, uh, would you watch over me, 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 me? And we forget to continue to pray that the saving power of God would go to all the nations, you know? Uh, the work that we do uh, as the Church of Jesus Christ is such a important work. You know, there's a movie I watched recently, uh, Syriana, right? George Clooney's in it, and uh, um, there's a scene in there where they're recruiting these young men in the Middle East to become uh, suicide bombers. 
They kind of follow the behind the scenes and how they recruit these poor teenage young men to come and join this. You know, they have nothing to live for and they go out and they recruit them, they tell them, and they get to watch. They go in this room, they get to watch the video of someone who had just become a suicide bomber and they share their quote-unquote testimony, how they want their funeral. They become um, an, a hero in a way. And so all these young men are watching this and they're applauding now this guy for the sacrifice he had made. And then some others will say, well, I, I want to go and do this. I want to be a martyr in this way. And you know, we see that happening in our world today. And you think about what does Christianity bring? It's, it's taking our life to say, no, we're here to give you life. We're here to give you life, not take it away. And we see this now, it's just evident. It's just laid out before us. And so we have this spiritual battle going on. We have this work that we needed to go and say, we're here to now give you life through love. The saving power comes through him. And it has to go through all the peoples. And verse 4 says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. The goal of what we do is to see all the nations. So we get kind of the earth, you get the peoples. Uh, peoples are kind of smaller units, like family units, um, clans, uh, people that live in a certain area, but then you get the nations that are divided by geography. Uh, the nations, in verse four, be glad and sing for joy. So our ultimate source of gladness and our ultimate source of joy comes when we understand who God is, when we are saved by God. And I think as we as God's people, as the church of Jesus Christ, our source of joy will come as we partake in this work, as we keep going in this work. And it will look different when we were 20 and then when we were 40 and when we we're 50 and 60, it'll all look different. Our abilities and our time, everything will be a little different. But the mission is the same. The goals are the same. You know, I, I just wanna share with you a couple things that we can do to keep this on the front of our minds, not just in the back. Not just some promise I made back when I was 18 that, God, I want to do missions for you. No, but at the forefront of this. Number one, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for the nations. We put it out there in our bulletin, and we pray. You know, we want our church to pray because it makes us big, global-minded Christians to pray for the nations. And the little bits of work that is happening, right? The work that is happening here at our, uh, through our ministry contacts, um, the picture that Daniel put up, the story that Francis shared, and uh, the lives that we touch, it happens through prayer and how, how we have to pray for those people. And, you know, in our, um, even in our um, bulletin, we have our global partners, right? Um, these are uh, partners that we support, that we um, pray for regularly. Um, the second part is I'm going to ask that you pray for someone specifically. Get to know some of these people. Maybe... You don't know anyone here, right? Maybe you don't know what's going on in Thailand or what we're doing in Mississippi or what we're doing in India. Um, ask and say, hey, can I, can I write to them? Can I send something over to them? Can I make them one of my partners? Can they send me a ministry letter, a prayer letter, and put it on the front of my fridge and I could pray for them? And I think it is very important that we get personally involved in this way. Secondly, is I wanna ask that we pray for God's blessing, receive all his abundance in our humility, and then be extra generous with it. See how much I can give away for the work of God. It doesn't mean we're irresponsible. You need to take care of your kids. You need to work. And yeah, that's all very true. 
But yet to say, not what's the least I can give, and a lot of people approach the concept of um, tithing as, you know, what's like the minimal, like so I can get the minimal. You know, it's like going to the professor back in the day, you know, what's the minimal grade I need to get, you know, past this class, I don't really care about the, can I just turn in this amount? And we sometimes approach it this way, but really to approach it as what's the most I can give? How, what's the most generous I could be? Um, how can I bless these ministry, the, the people that are out there? What can I do with my time and my talents and my treasures in this way? And thirdly is, is yeah, go when you can. Go give it a try and see what it's like, you know, and maybe you're in a life stage that is difficult now, but maybe down the line you can go. Or be committed to sending people. Right? But make this the goal of your life. And so this has to be the goal of your marriage. This has to be the goal of why you raise your children. This has to be the goal of why you study so hard and work so hard. Ultimately, so that the nations could be glad and sing for joy. And, you know, uh, one day, you know, it'll all kind of come, our life here will come to an end for all of us. You want to leave something that is greater than yourself. You hear often of people talking about legacy, this, and he's left a legacy, left a legacy. Uh, To live for something greater than my little life. To pray for something bigger than that, and that happens as we do his work. So we're doing little baby steps. Uh, We're trying our best in our life stage where we live, but let's not get caught up in our little bubble here, but let's go out and see what God can do with what little we have. I close with this thought. In Romans 16, verse uh, 3 and 4, in the whole first part of Romans 16, Paul is closing and he mentions a bunch of names. And he talks about a bunch of names. He says, greet these people. And I had to teach uh, the second half of Romans um, a year ago. And, you know, you get to the names and it gets kind of, you know, it's not exciting, right? But I got to study the names and what they did and some of the things that really stuck out to me. And I want to close with this verse, and you could look it up, uh, Romans 16, 3. It says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And I love the description of these two. Verse four, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. What a description. The Gentiles means the people, the people groups who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. What a life well lived. And let's live in this way, putting the mission of the gospel at the front of our lives and all that we do. Uh, Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Um, God, we thank you that we could partake in such a wonderful goal to see the nations worship you, to see the peoples come to grasp the saving power of who you are, for them to sing for joy. God, we got to witness a little bit of that in Mississippi and in Japan. We thank you for those who went. We thank you for the testimonies. We thank you for the seeds that were planted, for all those who generously supported and prayed. I thank you, Lord, for everyone's faith here. God, help us to continue that. Help us to, Lord, do more and more as we can. Not the least as possible, but as much as possible. So we ask for that.
So God, we thank you. Thank you for bringing everyone back. And God, uh, we ask you bless the work that is there. Thank you for our church. Bless us here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.